Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just want to encourage you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you become a patron, you'll get access to multiple exclusive episodes every month. And you can also join our patrons-only Discord chat, where Pete and I talk informally with the Podside Picnic community. So if you like the show, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. Thanks. Welcome back to Podside, everyone. And uh, this is Carlo, of course. And today it's just me and uh, returning champ, Stephen Mazur. Uh, Stephen, how are you doing today? Great. Doing great, Carlo. Always great to... This is a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. <laughs> well, and, and we're going to be um, discussing uh, another uh, amazingly feel-good uh, story uh, by Paolo Bacigalupi uh, that, that uh, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, uh, I, I couldn't get the thought out of my head, but this could have been titled, an alternate title to Pop Squad could have been If R Slash Child Free won the elections <laughs> i have thoughts <laughs> <laughs> so this uh i believe this was this came out in 2006 uh it was in i want to say like an october november issue of fnsf uh the magazine of fantasy and science fiction for those who are not uh well cued into that um but you, you, if if I'm getting that wrong, feel free to jump in, Stephen. Nope, you're exactly right. Uh, FNSF, October, November, two thousand six. Now, this is one of the stories that weirdly, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know why it didn't get, uh, it didn't seem to get any um, like awards uh, or anything like that. Is that correct? Yeah, you're right, and uh, it's weird too. Uh, criminally overlooked for the awards. Uh, it's it's one of his best short stories. Uh, I've. I feel like as far as short stories go, you can argue among uh, Pop Squad, The Fluted Girl, and and of course, The People of Sand and Slag. That's that's the one that always gets uh, reprinted a lot. Um, mm -hmm. I, uh, ooh, it's, it's tough for me to pick. I, th I think this one might might be his best, or, or at least it's my favorite. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, uh, it wasn't nominated for anything, um, which is especially odd considering that Bacigalupi... Uh, at least in in this in this time from when he first started writing in in 1999, uh, I guess until about uh, when Wind Up Girl was published in in 2009 2010, uh, he, had a lot of juice in uh, in the awards uh, nominating uh, category. He uh, four of his novelettes over the years were nominated for Hugo's. He's been nominated for the Nebula Award three times. Uh, he won the Sturgeon Award in 2006 for The Calorie Man, and uh, he was also nominated for the Sturgeon Award three other times. Mm -hmm. And then The Wind-Up Girl itself, you know, hugely popular, uh, his debut novel. Uh, it won the Hugo when it tied with um, The City in the City by China Mieville. Uh, and it also won the Nebula that year, it won the Campbell Memorial Award and the Locus Award, and it was nominated for the British SF Association Award, but uh, nothing for Pop Squad. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> it must be because it's too feel good. Um, I mean, I guess, but you know, in uh, it's, well, I, I won't, I won't ruin uh, the people of Sand and Slag, but uh, famously, also not a good time story. Actually, none of his stories <laughs> are any. Uh, they're always a bad time. Have you? Have you? Have you? Uh, I think. I think the the only one that I can think of that is uh, that that ends on a slightly uh like against all odds hopeful type of not not uh, not that things are going to work out it's that there's hope even though the odds are very slim i think is probably the gambler and pump six are probably the two that i can think of that end sort of like on this note that is not completely pessimistic i mean i, I would argue that pop squad does get it does end up there as well but uh but yeah like uh uh shit what's his name do we even get the character's name in pop squad i don't think so i was going to ask you that because i, I read it uh i read it a uh, i guess a uh, day before yesterday and then mm -hmm. i was typing up my notes today and i just kept typing up you know main character main character it's like yeah i don't think we ever actually get his name yeah yeah because we get uh what is it pentler is his like his partner yeah pentler's um, his partner alice is his alice's uh, girlfriend uh, fiance, or whatever girlfriend or whatever yeah. Um, but uh yeah i don't think anybody ever says his name and he certainly doesn't so, yeah why why would he <laughs> right <laughs> he is not george costanza he, he does not need to speak in the third person um but anyway um but yeah let me let me just uh perhaps we should read a little bit uh just from the beginning because this is honestly like i i think this is again like one of these things where um he, he just sort of like throws you it's not in media res exactly, but he just throws you into a situation that is slightly familiar. It's it's familiar enough that you can follow mm -hmm. uh, the, the the sort of like the context, and then sort of like slowly uh, shifts so that you you become a little bit more familiarized. But um, let me let me just op the opener here is is pretty good. The familiar stench of unwashed bodies, cooked food, and shit washes over me as I come through the door. Cruiser lights flicker through the blinds, sparkling in rain and illuminating the crime scene with strobes of red and blue fire. A kitchen. A humid mess. A chunky woman huddles in the corner, clutching closed her nightgown, fat thighs and swaying breasts under stained silk. Squad goons crowding her, pushing her around, making her sit, making her cower. Another woman, young-looking and pretty, pregnant and black-haired, is slumped against the opposite wall, her blouse spackled with spaghetti remains. Screams from the next room. Kids. I squeeze my fingers over my nose and breathe through my mouth, fighting off nausea as Pentel wanders in, holstering his grange. He sees me and tosses me a nose cap. I break it and snort lavender until the stink slides off. Children come scampering in with Pentel, a brood of three tangling around his knees, the screams from the other room. They gallop around the kitchen and disappear again, screaming still into the living room where data sparkles like fairy dust on the wall screens and provides what is likely their only connection to the outside world. So initially, you know, it, it feels like a, obviously like some sort of a crime scene. And then suddenly right there at the end of like that second paragraph, he's talking about wall screens. and You're like, oh, OK, so this is like the future. And uh, like, I, I just love how sort of 
it's it's not it doesn't feel like uh that 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 sort of faux noir uh that people try to adopt uh <laughs> often when they're they're doing this type of thing but it it definitely has that feeling to it doesn't it uh, just sort of yeah. like this world weariness yeah it uh it feels very noir to me this this might be uh, I don't, you know, I don't think I've read all of his short stories because uh, I, I was actually assigned the book in in college for a really cool English class I took. Oh, and, uh, okay. Yeah, no, it was great. That's that's actually I, that's where I found out about him before before I ever knew what what the magazine or or the rest of the field was. But so we read most of the stories in it, but I don't think we read all of them. Like uh, I don't think I've ever actually read The Gambler, um, but uh, oh god, what was I? Oh right, so. I don't. I haven't read all of his stuff, but I think I think this might be like his most overtly noir story, and it uh, it works really well. Uh, I think he I, on what you're talking about, Carlo. I think he nails the noir feel, not because he's like trying to ape a certain a certain style from like you know seventy or eighty years ago. Now it's more just because the story and the 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 character that that he's narrating this all through is just sort of naturally world weary and hard bitten you know so that's mm-hmm. how we're getting mm-hmm. into it and i think that's why it, it it works it's very authentic but you know i'll just you know i'll just lay it all on the table right here uh you know, you, you could have kept reading that whole thing. I think this is one of the best opening scenes in a story, science fiction or otherwise, that I've ever read. Like, it is just, it is so great. It's so powerful. It's well written. The The character voice and the narration is it's just so great. You get in his head from the get go. And like you said, like, I feel like it, it's, it's not exactly in media res, but like, you know, it's like, it starts, right? It starts mm-hmm. and there it goes and you sort of know what's going on. It immerses you in the world. You know what's, you feel like you know what's going on and it's got this <laughs> great nasty surprise waiting for you at the end of the scene that uh, you didn't see coming, but he did a great job of foreshadowing it oh, and, oh, and concealing for sure, yeah. it. So it's just, I just, I love this. It's like a masterclass in how to write. You could learn so much from just the first three pages of this. Yes, I mean, it really, it's it's just very powerful writing, yeah. uh, and as you say, I think I think that that is exactly it. I think it's not like you say he's trying to sort of like, oh, I'm going to do a Hammett or you know or whatever, or I'm going to do or, or worse yet, you know, I'm going to do the version of what a noir writer sounds like in my imagination, mm-hmm. and it, you know, and suddenly everyone talks like they're from an old radio station, see? and you know, <laughs> and you're like, no, that's no. That's not it. But um, but yeah, like like uh, I, I I love that uh, it, it just feels like he's done this a thousand times and he's just like he just he 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 sort of like is just taking it in. But he doesn't really doesn't really register anymore. You know? Yeah. Yeah. He's it's it's an interesting it's an interesting interplay because, like you said, he's at once very detached and like like not not over it but like you said it's like he's done this a thousand times but at the same time at the same time that he's detached he's also very uh contemptible you you can he feels a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of hatred and a lot of contempt 
for you know the scene that he's in and the and the and the people that are around him that you know the reason that he's doing this job and it just it just feels so personal and it's it's just an interesting it's just an interesting duality where like these two things are happening at the same time where like you know he 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 really thinks these 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 women are like you know lunatic animals pretty much but like you said it's like you know he's he's done this a thousand times he's seen it all he's he's got that very like world weary cop affect to him and it's just it's it's so cool to read yeah well and 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 yeah like later on uh you find out that it's not really just like this cynical world weariness it's it's like actually he's he's retreated back as far as he can uh to not really engage with any of this um but but we can get there in a second because i do want to i do want to talk about like uh, there, there's a, a lot of really interesting use of like um language that denotes past time mm-hmm. uh in this opening like you know he has like in the description you know, he talks about like um uh, old peas and bits of cereal crunch under my feet. They squish with spaghetti, the geologic layers of past feedings. You know, yeah. uh, he talks about like the uh, I believe that um, the place that they're they're doing the raid in is sort of like a almost like a prefab house that he's also seen a thousand times because um, it, it's it's it begins to un unfold like the setting starts to begin to unfold slowly but you get the the feeling that um these are abandoned houses uh that were once you know they were once obviously houses that people lived in but everyone sort of retreated from these areas and so it it he doesn't come out and say it's prefab. He uh, describes it as like um, that they're sort of like built all the like. And uh, he he mentions the word that it like he says it's archaeological at this point or something to that effect. And it's just it just really hit me how much he's talking about like these past ages of the earth in these descriptions, you know, like evoking like deep time. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, because part of part of what like I feel like one of the big themes here, uh, which we find out later on, uh, w- when we take this dramatic left turn, um, uh, is that uh, he, he keeps on. There's these little stuffed dinosaur um, stuffed animals uh, toys, I should say, that he keeps on seeing in different contexts. And it, 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 it sort of really fucks him up. Um, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 no. I, it's, it's, it's funny. I, no, you, you keep going because I don't have much to say about it. That, that, <laughs> that intake of breath was, oh yeah, you're right. That toy dinosaur does keep showing up. That, yes. that wasn't really what I took from it. So please, you continue. No, no. Uh, so, so let me let's let's get to that um, to that left turn, shall we? I, I uh, was I was thinking like, okay, who's 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 gonna do it? Who's who's gonna I, I, who's gonna I'll, give I'll it away? It, I'll do it. Okay. <laughs> So, okay. The kids race back in, chasing each other all in a train, laughing and shrieking. They stop and look around, surprised maybe, that their moms have been dis- have disappeared. The littlest one has a stuffed dinosaur by the nose. It's got a long green neck and a fat body. A brontosaurus, I think, with big cartoony eyes and black felt lashes. It's funny about the dinosaur because they've been gone so long, but here one is, showing up as a stuffed toy. 
And then it's funny again, because when you think about it, a dinosaur toy is really extinct twice. Sorry, kids. Mommy's gone. I pull out my Grange. Their heads kick back in successive jerks. Bang, 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 down the line. Holes appearing on their foreheads like paint and their brains splattering out the back. Their bodies flip and skid on the black mirror floor. They land in jumbled piles of misaligned limbs. For a second, gunpowder burn makes the stench bearable. Jesus Christ. <sighs> yep, there it is. <laughs> I, I, so so let, me, let me just say, um, I, I, I want to confess to you that I remember actually... Uh, I think this came out after Calorie Man. So I, by the time I, uh, I, I read Calorie Man, uh, I, at that point, I was like subscribing to FNSF or I was picking up at Borders or what. I think I was picking up at Borders uh, every chance I could get. Yeah, this and, came out the year uh, after. Yeah. And so the minute I, I saw his name in the table of contents, I snatched it up. Yep. Got to read this one. And uh my God, I read, I read and reread that same paragraph like three times because I, I just couldn't really, I, like I was just like flabbergasted. I, I was like, you can, you can do this in a story. Yeah, I know. Like the the first time you read it, and I almost wish that the first time I read it wasn't so long ago because I was like a junior <laughs> in college, and back then I I I think like I thought the story was cool then. And the, and the whole time I was like, wow, this is like one of the this is like one of the best things I've ever read. But I, I think back then it was more just about like, whoa, he iced those kids. That's metal, <laughs> right, right. man. You know, it's like, wow, it's, it's just so, you know, brutal and bloody. But, you know, now reading it again, it it's like it just even now it, it hits so hard and not many stories do this kind of work. And just from a craft perspective, it's really impressive just how, you know, the first time you read it, the, the the first couple of pages, you might think that, like, you know, he's a cop or, you know, maybe it's like a drug charge or something. And like, you know, it's, oh, we got to bring the moms in. Or, you know, you might even think he's like a disaffected, jaded, like shitty social worker or whatever, you know. And then it's like, nope, kids are illegal now. We, we kill them. And it's like, what? But. But you go back and look and like it, it's it's there like, yeah, it's for yeah, shadow. Exactly. It's just what why would you think that's what was coming? Well, I, and I think that that's one of these things that uh, Bashkalupi is really good at, at sort of um, sort of figuring out exactly what your sort of preconceptions are, like what your present what the present culture's preconceptions are, right? Yeah. Like, like I, I, I think I mentioned it in uh, when I when I went to go talk to the 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 fine folks over at the socialist self shelf, I should say. The the socialist <laughs> self is just a self help channel. Um, <laughs> how to become more socialist? Um, but uh, in any case, when when I was talking about the people of Sand and Slag, uh, you know, it's. It's Bashkalupi's going like, oh, everyone loves dogs, right? Okay, what if what if I use that against you? Mm -hmm. What if I weaponized your sort of like immediate uh, acceptance and, uh, and and love uh, and wanting your dog to like even fictional dogs to live? Uh, I'm going to weaponize that. Yeah. <laughs> and, 
And here it's it's the same thing. Like he takes like sort of like it's almost like he's taking like a it's not exactly a sacred cow, but it's very close. Right. Like children, <laughs> they should be safe. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, yeah. Like I said, you know, like when, when I first read it all those years ago, you know, just like, whoa, like, you know, he's killing kids like you can't do that, man. And, you know, like now uh, I, I read it again um, a couple of years ago. And, you know, this, this is the third time I've read it. And especially this third time reading it, you know, now I, I feel like I can see all the wonderful ironies in the story. You know, just how biting and sarcastic uh, Pop Squad is that, it, you know, it's not just like being shocking for shocking sake. There's there's a lot more going on in this than just if somebody tells you like, oh yeah, it's a science fiction story where they made kids illegal and so the cops murder them and they take the moms to jail. You know, it's it's so much cooler <laughs> than that. Well and 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 think about like, okay, so so think about like the sort of um sort of middle brow, perhaps even schlocky version of that story, right? Mm -hmm. That that scenario. Uh, obviously, the kids are the ones that are the heroes, right? Right. Yeah. Because they're the they're the most oppressed and blah, blah, blah. And they'll they'll band together and it'll be like uh, it'll be like an 80s kids on bikes uh, type of thing. But but the kids, they're in real danger. <laughs> Except they're never really in danger. <laughs> yeah, or else uh, today it would be the squeakcore version of it, in like Uncanny or uh, or Lightspeed well, or somewhere you know, else, where uh, uh, it's about somebody who uh, gets Congress to pass a law repealing the Child Illegality Act of twenty whatever the hell year it is. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, no, no. Uh, they they would incrementally start. Uh, uh, minimizing the amount of the additive to the rejuvenation uh, process that has like the birth control or whatever. <laughs> yeah. With it's just like incrementally, you know, over a, uh, uh, a period of 10 years, uh, eventually it'll be almost nothing, but never not nothing. Like it can't be less than less than, you know, uh, it can't be zero. It has to be slightly above zero. So there's always a chance. <laughs> Oh my God! Uh, well, and and, and, only, and you'd only get that uh, that special, uh, uh, you know, ad, like it's an add-on, even though they're taking it out. But you'd only get it if you opened a small business. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> Yay! But progress. So, the one of the things that I, I like about this story and is is how stupid it is. And what I mean by that is um, it fits in. I feel like there's there's like two main things I want to say about it. This story fits in with uh, the wider scope of Bacigalupi's work, especially his work from like um, well from from his first story, Pocketful of Dharma, in 1999, uh, all the way through his adult work to the to the Water Knife, uh, his second adult novel. Is that like part of the inherent tragedy in in Bacigalupi's work is that Whatever horrible future he's writing about, and he writes about several different ones in in his short stories. You know, there's like different bad things that are going on. Whatever horrible future it is, uh, humanity absolutely had the capability and the opportunity to prevent whatever it is that happened was going to happen. <laughs> but we just never do, whether it's because we're stupid or we're greedy or corrupt. It's just always some 
dumb, stupid future that we live in. And this story, like the world of the story in a way, is kind of stupid because as I, I was I would be thinking about the story every now and again, I'd like try to poke holes in it like you know, wow, it seems like this guy has a lot of work to do. Like, just how many illegal kids are there? It's like he's, like, wasting babies, like, several of them a day. And, you know, made me wonder, like, how many moms are there? Like, who's in charge? Like, who passed this law? Like, does any of this really make sense? And just every time I thought I had, every time I thought I'd identified, like, a plot hole in the story, I immediately realized, like, no, that's not the point. Like, the point is... The point is that it's not supposed to make sense. The point is that it's supposed to be stupid because, like, we have shit like this in real life all the time. So much of our real world is just really stupid. If you step back, it's like, oh, well, they shouldn't do it that way. Well, yeah, but they do because it's stupid. So it's like any inconsistency or, like, logical fallacy that you might find in this story only serves the greater arching theme, which is that people just... We have all the tools we need to, like, make a better world, and we just hardly ever do because we're just dumb or we're greedy or the people in charge are dumb and greedy. And it just it just it works. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, so so as you're as you're saying that, I'm I'm reminded of uh, the the super donor. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I wanted to I wanted to mention her, too. Yeah. You you, you go first. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Let let me let me let me just also uh, because right after the the paragraphs that I that I read, there's like this great fucking like this weird scene that then just that's where you start getting more grounded in. Okay. What is this setting exactly? What the fuck? Like after you're like, what the fuck did I just read? It it starts up with up out of the jungle, like a bat out of hell, climbing out of Rhinehurst, super clusters, hold out suburban sprawl, and then rising through jungle overstory, blasting across the causeway toward angel spire and the sea. Monkeys diving off the rail line like grasshoppers, pouring off the edge ahead of my cruiser and disappearing into the mangrove and kudzu and mahogany and teak, disappearing into the wet bowels of greenery tangle, dumping the cruiser at squad center. No time for mop down. Don't need it anyway. My hat, my raincoat, my clothes into hazmat bags and then out again on the other side, rushing to pull on the tux before catching a mass lift up 188 stories rising into the high clear air over the jungle fur of carbon sequestration project N22. And all of that sort of like almost like breathlessly, you know, conveyed more or less the way I'm reading it to you is that's how it's written. And it, it it's one of these things that um, to, to your point, Stephen, is that uh, later on, uh, as he's going, as he's zipping along this mag rail uh, structure, going somewhere else, we have like, okay, so we have a carbon sequestration project N22, which obviously infers that there are other sort of like these super clusters, which I'm going to assume are just like spires that are just Im- immense cities uh like skyscraper skyscrapers stretching up into the who who knows uh lower you know higher atmosphere who knows uh but the point is that the, these are where the secret station centers uh are are, are happening right mm-hmm. but as he zips along somewhere else 
outside of that sort of like the influence or the sphere of the of the supercluster, you see that oh this oh that's a that's a foundry for coal you know here's a coal mining operation there's a gas uh, a refining station yada 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 and you're like wait they 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 they're basically they found immortality they're doing carbon sequestration but yet and to your point right. This is just immediately dumb, but it makes perfect sense, right? There's they're doing green, you know, green stuff like green energy stuff near the cities, but out out of the sight of anyone there, yeah, there's plenty of coal and nasty ass fucking carbon rich fuel that's being mined and probably used for different things that no one knows about. Yeah, it's uh <laughs> I love how the Bachigalupi through the main character when they're at um, uh, after the uh, the orchestra scene when they're at the party. Um, I love how Bachigalupi through the main character reveals in passing the corrupt nature of the world that they inhabit. You know, uh, the uh, the sim- wealthy symphony backer and and party thrower uh, Maria Iloni made her wealth on uh, global warming mitigation for New York City, but then he casually says the like, yeah, you know, the the city still went underwater anyway. Her calculations were wrong, but you know, she still got the money. You know, payment for services not rendered. It, it, it sounds <laughs> it's I, I was it sounds like Elon Musk some Elon Musk bullshit. Well, where I mean, like that, that was that was exactly what I was thinking because yeah. I, was, I was like trying to google it because honestly i I was like wait maria ilona ilona musk perhaps (laughs) uh and and i was just like thinking about that i was like wait and i was like trying to google to see like okay when when did elon musk get involved in tesla and whatnot i i i didn't i i didn't really find anything so i I have no idea (laughs) Uh, anyway i didn't want to research that that asshole so uh, yeah and and what what you say about you you make a a, a great point about um, you know like th- there's all this great technology and you know like carbon sequestration green stuff going on in these like super tech spires where you know I guess most people although I'm not sure I'm not sure about that because sometimes I wonder like you know like there's there seem to be so many. Uh, moms that these people are locking up and 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 so many babies that he's shooting just like you know how many people are there out there and are the people that we see like is that most of the people like on earth and the and the 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 baby moms are just like these weird little uh rebels or or malcontents or they're like actually maybe kind of a lot of low-class people out there that you know that he's just like going around icing i, I mean it, it's not that it's not that the reju uh which is you know what they call the 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 treatment that allows you to uh re- remain young and be immortal forever it's not that the reju is restricted to only the rich uh, mm-hmm. yeah he does make that interesting wrinkle in there that makes it more interesting like he specifically says that like you know it everybody gets it it's available for everybody rich or poor you know like drug addicts get it so that they can like go on wasting their lives being drug addicts literally mm-hmm. forever so it's it's not only for the rich but i still uh i still really like just the just the cl- the the classist 
framing of of the story because like if you go back again to the to the first scene the way that the the way that he's the the you know the the cop the the, the pop squad detective i guess you could call him the way that he's narrating everything and observing everything to me there's a very uh like bougie you know tell me if you if you disagree no no with that. no, no I, I i agree completely when when you said it was what? when you said it was just going to be you and me i, I kind of felt like ah dang there's like nobody else with there's no other dads <laughs> who can like say say if like i'm on the money or say I, oh i don't know steve that's that's weird why would you think that but anyway the, i feel like but, there's but, a very but i f- yeah no I, i'm sorry i, I, keep, I was just going. gonna say yeah yeah i was just gonna, just gonna say that the the part of the the somewhat um like even you feel it's it's tediousness of that opening scene mm-hmm. uh and, and partly yeah obviously it's it's he's he's conveying that in the language but but what struck me is that it's so familiar because it it feels like it's it's like a like you said like it could be anything it could be a drug raid it could be just a routine like bust of some sort in a ghetto of some sort you know not not to not to sound insensitive but like literally it could it could be in a very low income you know housing uh situation and you like it's interchangeable it isn't until until the story sort of like starts giving you hints that no no this is a future uh, I, I believe what was it? Uh, I, somebody uh, mentioned is like um, s- sort of shabby or grubby, uh, grubby futures. I believe some uh, a, a reviewer was calling these, and I think that's that's a real uh, a real uh, good description. Yeah, yeah. No, you're you're right. And the the thing, God, I feel like I had I feel like I had another thought, uh, but um, well, well, anyway, the the thing that I. Uh, <laughs> Oh yeah, just that. Like, and, and then even when you, when when he clues you in, they're like, no, 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 this this is the future. Like, you know, it, it you still don't know like what the twist is. Like that that only that only comes later. But I really, I feel like throughout this whole story, but especially in the, in the in the first scene, there's this this bougie upper middle class child free biased point of view that like Bacigalupi really nails down. And the thing, the thing that I love, one of the things I love about this story. Is that even though it's you know science fiction and it's the future and it's very extreme, it's also incredibly familiar. You know, I I feel like he could be like this guy. You know, he he could be like, yeah, he's he's a pop squad detective, but like he could also be like the sort of person who calls children and or babies in the womb parasites you know the the kind of guy who complains about babies crying on airplanes the 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 person who complains about there being too many kids and families at disney world this is like ruining my good time well why are they all here right you know just like how he's like constantly complaining and is hyper aware of the smells in the apartment and how loud they all are and like they hurt his head and and the what you mentioned earlier about his um about how he notices uh just like the the grubbiness of the apartment like he uh he goes out of his way to to mention that like the apartment itself and the way that it's decorated the 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 mess notwithstanding it's like it's exactly like the apartment that he shares with his girlfriend Alice and mm, you know that's right that's right yeah, and just the way that he contrasts the crime scene apartment with with his apartment, you know, light versus dark, clean versus dirty, quiet versus loud. It's just I just feel like he I just feel like Bachigalupi took 
this particular point of view, this particular sort of like type of type of person and just translated it into this story. And it uh, it's just. Oh, right. And then the the judgment over and especially the, the, the judgment over what's in the 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 mom's fridge compared to what he what's in his mm. fridge you know like because yep. for him it's fresh produce and you know expensive imports like coffee and nuts and for the family it's processed nutrition packs and processed other things no vegetables stuff that's ready to eat or microwavable it's it's a very starkly classist mm. comparison and point of view and it just it's just like, like i don't if- even know so if, great. if he had if he had mentioned that in his that like the contents of his refrigerator full of you know the fresh produce and you know uh, lovely greens and yada 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 uh, if if in that same sentence he had mentioned that he and Alice uh, picked those those same things out from the uh, from the local farmers market it would feel like it's it's happening today. Like, you right. know, I, I am certain that you and I both know people precisely like that. Yeah. And that's what I meant before about, like, the story being deeply sarcastic and ironic, because, you know, the first time I was just like, oh, God, they're killing kids. But, you know, you know, you read it again and, and I read it when I'm older and, it's, and you know, I, I've. I feel like I'm starting to notice like just how many pot shots Pachacalupi is taking. Mm-hmm. To me, I feel but like it's, it's a, such a searing indictment of of this kind of attitude. Yeah, I, it, it, he perhaps, really, he, but yeah, like like I feel like a lot of this, and, and I, I think one of the notes that I made specifically, uh, like you mentioned, when he he's talking about um, taking Alice, his his fiance or whatever, uh, or girlfriend or whatever it is, uh, to her. Uh, Riju clinic appointment. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he makes a point of saying that they go to a private one. Uh, they you know and, and like you said, it, he mentions more or less within that same paragraph or whatever that yeah, like you know as as soon as Medicare was able to kick in or whatever, uh, essentially it was given to everybody. Um, but but to your to your point about like. Um, like he he then says, well, you know, and that and those clinics because they let all those uh, junkies and and I, I don't know, and I I'm I'm very um I'm very hesitant, but I think this is like not a, a real world slur, but it is one in this story. The knitheads, yeah, that fe- I, that feels made up, but like also it's like a really good made up because yes know, it's yes like, i i feel yeah. i feel like cringing every time i say it because i'm not sure it feels like a an actual like slur but it's a yeah i think it's like a slur for this for this story uh, i i joked in a previous episode that uh william gibson was trying to write up future you know f- slurs that had, had that didn't exist yet in his stories and here here paulo bashkalupi did it so here we go yeah yeah but i just i just love I guess when I say what I, what I mean, like, I feel like he's being, you know, deeply ironic and sarcastic, you know, just like the way that he displays both the main characters and like the, the, the people that he interacts with, their their thoughts and beliefs and just like showing, you know, the things that they're saying, like the reasons that they do this stuff and like, you know, what they could be doing, you know, what, what they what they what they are doing. You know, I feel like it's it's the same sort of stuff that like people say today, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's just against the backdrop of you know yeah and you know we 
we shoot babies with these. They admit he admits it in the story. Like the gun that he uses to mm-hmm. kill these kids is insanely overpowered for its job. It's just it's the standard issue that they give, like I guess, to all cops. But even he's a, he's not a regular cop. He specifically works in the pop squad department but they but the pistol that they issue him and everybody else is this giant semi-automatic that is used to like stop adults who are like having like giant aggressive drug freakouts and he uses yes. it to murder infants and it's like it's the it's, <laughs> it's so it's just so extreme and like well and and don't forget let's let's not forget that this is the same company that they're displaying their logo on the side of their patrol cars so God, it, yeah it, i it, forgot it sort about of that hints, yeah he it hints at um like there's a there's a, a chumminess if not a complete corporate capture of the of the you know what the pop squad is right uh and i believe what is it it's like uh granger Oh, yeah, shit. Grange, unstoppable. That's the name of the gun, I think yeah. it's, uh, and then uh, yeah, like like it, it's just wild to me that that's like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So that like you know, it's like just just showing how hollow and and shallow their motivations are, you know, when when held up against you know what it is he does for a job every day. It it's such a great story. Yeah. Well, also like almost halfway into the story, we find out exactly. Uh, you know, like we, we get a sense of place, right? Because uh, up until now, it's sort of like, oh, these super clusters. Okay. He uses just enough to work on. And then like, uh, like halfway through the story, he's like, oh yeah, 3 a.m. Another call windows down, howling through the humidity and swelter of Newfoundland. And you're like, wait, Newfoundland is jungle now. What the fuck is happening? And you're like, oh, climate change. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got yeah. it. Um. Yeah, and, and like it's it like again, he's he's in Newfoundland and the lights ahead, the glow of coal foundries and gasification works. And you're like, wait, what happened to the carbon sequestration? You're like, oh, they're doing the stupid thing. And they're going like, yeah, we're, we're going to carbon sequester just enough so we can continue to burn shit. Got to get that uh, electricity somehow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also like um, the, the the other thing, like. My God, there's so many little things that are sort of layered into this story. It it felt like my brain was on fire for a while. <laughs> I was like, because ah, ah, ah. <laughs> he there's this uh, throwaway line about like, oh, he captures like this other not, you know, another uh, uh, mom. Uh, I think this was the one that oh, she's got. uh uh what is it like a, a a brown girl that could have been you know that reminds him of his, of Alice basically, and right, yeah. um, and that's where uh, she I believe she tell one of them tells him that he's got dead eyes and that bothers him a lot. Yeah, that and, that's the woman. Yeah, yeah. And so he says uh, he's just like casually oh she'll and spend all all of um uh, I've got dead eyes. This lady's headed into a reju collapse and won't last another twenty years and she'll spend all of it in a single sex work camp. And my note here is that this the thing that we're we're both sort of like uh talking about is again, it, it's very much like this very um like you said, bougie sort of fan, like this weird fantasia of bouginess where there's uh Everyone is really uh, nice to each other. But the moment you slip, 
you know, because the single sex work camp was like, wait, this is like just sort of like a very <laughs> a secular liberal version of the Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's like it's like the leisure class run wild. I uh, I feel like. I feel like there's this. uh Oh, gosh, I'm just like skimming through my notes. Uh, to, to me, I felt like one of the big themes, you know, and I'm not that great at like being profound. So it's probably pretty obvious. But, you know, it's, it's like thematically it's it's like the contrast between like raising kids or like uh, what well, I, I feel like there's this tension in the story between devoting yourself to some sort of personal vocation at, at the, the expense of all else, like when mm-hmm. um uh, when the main character went and 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 Alice, because because she's this, you know, this virtuoso uh, uh, viola player in in an orchestra, and the, the 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 scene after the first scene, he's like rushing to get to to her big performance where she's gonna like, she's the the lead viola in this piece that was like purpose written not for her but like she was purpose chosen to play it, and it's like impossibly technical and difficult. She's spent. She's dedicated the past 15 years of her life just to mastering this one piece, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it, it works. It's like it's a, a huge triumph for her. So I feel like there's this tension between, you know, devoting yourself to some sort of personal vocation at the expense of all else. And, and that's being framed as like a brave sacrifice and, and against the idea that, you know, like making the sacrifice to raise a family isn't a sacrifice at all. It's some selfish idiotic thing that only lunatics do because you're throwing away youth and beauty and talent and achievement and immortality and having kids is no fun and it makes you miserable anyway and it's used for science fictional purposes in this story but i feel like that tension is here in the real world too yes yes it's so cool i mean one of the things that like you're saying it is it is this um Interplay and and one of the things that struck me this time around is that the main character, the the detective, is always using this language of resource scarcity, right? Oh, oh um, that's so glad you said that. Yeah, because like uh, like like the 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 quote with oh they even give Riju to the to the junkies so they can continue wasting their lives is like well if you live forever who cares like. If you're provided for and you live forever, why? What's what's wrong with like doing drugs every day? Who cares? Like it doesn't really matter, does it? And and there's this weird value uh, judgment placed on doing things that are outside this norm, right? Uh, like like Alice is viewed as a like a virtuoso and you know like a a, a paragon of uh, what is achievable in this society but uh you know like like in contrast uh a a woman who decides to go off her rejuvenation treatments uh, because she wants to have kids i mean granted that is a use of, of her resources but that is not acceptable in this society right yes and I feel like another one of the story's main themes or concerns is, like you said, like resource scarcity, right? The idea of resource scarcity, this the the story has this obsession with the idea that, like, you know, now that people are immortal, there's just not enough material resources to go around. You know, if if, if people live in forever, there's no room for new people. We don't have the space. We don't have the resources, the food or for the water. And, you know, while it is true that 
as the story goes along, like it makes it clear that, you know, this the earth that they're living in is one that has been like severely impacted by climate change. And, you know, who knows what has gone on if if Newfoundland is is jungle now. But I feel like Pop Squad takes that idea of like, oh, resource scarcity. We, we don't have enough. What are we going to do? We, we got to do something. Takes that idea and mutedly but very clearly lays bare the hypocrisy of this attitude and the people who hold it both both in the story and in real life because mm-hmm. i to me i feel like like that's you know that th- there are caveats but generally i feel like when people start yammering on about like oh there's not enough that to me is just like that's just greed and stupid hatred because in the story all while the narrator and all of the characters in in his set you know whether it well, I'm not going to list them. That would be dumb. But so all the characters that he talked in his set that he talks to that are like of his class are all yammering on about resource scarcity and overpopulation. The world that the story reveals to us, the reader, through these same characters is a world that is fantastically wealthy and technologically advanced. There is no scarcity or deprivation in this world that isn't man-made. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. You know, just like exactly in, in right. real life, and uh, and I I have more thoughts on this, but I they came up to me when I was reading the last scene, so I'll I'll save it <laughs> for that. But I just feel okay. like it's another great pointed critique of you know this idea of like oh there's not enough, and the the decisions that people then make, and the the the, the rationalizations they make to themselves over like you know why it's totally okay that I'm thinking and acting this way. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so yeah. So, so one of the things that's interesting is that um, that same uh, super donor Maria Ilona uh, gifts Alice after the concert uh, a she pulls this little the the same type of little felt stuffed brontosaurus dinosaur uh, to her and. Uh, and and the main character just has like a fucking he, he has a fit. He just like passes out. He faints. Yeah, he has like a because, panic attack or something. Yeah, he has a like like yeah, exactly. It, it does feel very much like a panic attack because he he gets he becomes very um, fixated that he's got a lot of pinpricks of blood on his uh, on the backs of his hands and he keeps on trying to get the get it off. And that's like somehow when he sees the dinosaur, that's it. Just he just pops and he just, just like collapses. Um, and and this is where uh, he you start to see that that he's barely holding it together. Uh, he, he starts like coming a little bit uh, <laughs> bursting at the scene. He, he starts bursting at the seams a little bit uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> from here on out. Uh, it's it's very I think it's very well done because it, it then opens up just as you you are beginning to understand what's happening. Right. And and you think you've got a bead on on the main character, and you're like, ah, this guy's a fucking, he's a murderer and asshole. And you're like, then he has this panic attack, and not that he that erases everything else, but it does sort of like show you that yeah, there, there is an actual toll uh, that this is you know like obviously it's not it's not uh, equitable at at all, but there this is all really working on him slowly but surely. And if you think like I think at the end of the story, he mentions that he's been he's like 150 years old or something like that. Like, just imagine. Yeah. Like, just imagine how many of these fucking raids he's been on. 
Yeah. <laughs> a lot. A yeah, lot. like he, yeah, like he's his flashbacks have flashbacks, dude. <laughs> yeah, you uh, know, it's I, I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because before I feel like one of the few mild uh, critiques that I felt like I could level at the story was, you know, I I didn't really I didn't really understand like, you know, well, okay, why now? Like, why is it now is he like starting to have a, a you know, a mental breakdown and a crisis of conscience about the whole thing? But, you know, especially here, hearing you talk about it, I, I feel like that, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Like, I mean, like one, I mean, why not? Probably he was due for it any day just for, for how long he's been doing it. But also like, you know, that that doesn't matter. The point is, is, like, you're right. At the beginning of the story, it seems like, oh, yeah, we know who this guy is. He's a cold blooded killer. But then fairly quickly, you know, Botch Galupi starts showing the like, you know, no, he's. You know, it's it's taking quite a, a a psychic toll on him, and uh, you know, like he's still doing his job, but he's like getting really sloppy. In the 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 scene that you were talking about, uh, mentioning earlier, where the 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 woman says that he has dead eyes, like you know, he 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 shoots her baby right in front of her, and the only reason that he did it was because like the baby was screaming, the woman was screaming, and like you know, he just couldn't fucking handle it yeah, all this yeah. noise so he he just like loses it and like ices the kid right in front of her which he also says is way against regulations but uh so yeah you know you can see he's like uh you know he's he's slipping he's he's, uh, yeah, he's yeah. losing it well and and i i again and this is not to excuse uh the character at all uh, i i would argue that 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 development while effective uh, can also be like I, I would say that it's a fair critique to level at the story that it is a little propaganda ish in the sense that y you're you're almost you're almost tricked into feeling bad for the guy. And you're like, wait, what is his fucking body count? And, oh, uh, no, not not me. No, it, it didn't trick me even at the time or yeah, whatever, yeah. you know, I'm, but especially this third time around, it's like. God, no, <laughs> fuck this guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and, and the thing is that it, like it, it's it's one of these things where also like uh, like you said, it, it's it's wild to me that uh, he gets sort of yelled at for for basically just shooting from the hip, literally shooting from the hip, basically. Um, and it, it's not a question of whether he did that or not. It's a question of where in the process he did it. Right. Yeah. He broke the chain of evidence. Yeah. It's such a it's like and it feels so real because that's exactly like like the, the you know, if you've ever talked to someone that that's just sort of fixated on process, that's the type of weird like you, you end up figuring out um, ways to be amoral because you have uh, an, like an abstracting uh, influence using a process. Uh, right. It's, you know, it's. It, Look, this manual says I got to I got to pull the lever for the trolley. OK, <laughs> I'm off the hook. Um, but um, in any case, so the thing uh, is that he starts like really fixating on that dinosaur. And it turns out that um, he uses it. Uh, it I, I feel like. Not only is it a thematic thing, but it's also I, I, I think it's great because Bashkalupi then uh, makes it part of 
like the investigation and it provides him a lead right mm-hmm. yep. uh, he finds out that it, it it's been uh, that the uh it, maria ilona bought it at a place called ipswich collectibles uh and i love that he makes the distinction which is i mean now in you know 2024 is even more ironic and sort of arch that uh you know toys are no longer toys they're collectibles <laughs> right oh god yeah <laughs> i didn't think about that but you're right yeah all the different it's, toy it's, collectibles uh it's terrible Fungo it's terrible Pops, steven yeah. <laughs> it's terrible steven i'm sorry it's no. like it's one of these things where it, and granted in the context of the story it's because like yeah, like these these toys are like no one has who's going to play with these toys like yeah they're kids like, toys there are no kids so yeah there are no kids in this society so why would you know why would you have the, they're not toys they're collectibles now yeah i it just reminded it also uh sort of reminded me of like um the children of men in that sense that it's like a a world where children don't exist anymore and it's like damn yeah that, that'd be fucked up yeah um so he goes to Ipswich Collectibles, uh, manages to um, basically uh, pick out like someone who he immediately makes as a a, 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 a recent mom. Uh, I think what is it? He says it. She she looked a little too tired. There's a stain of green on her, you know, nice cream blouse. She's just a little. Uh, a little too fat uh, or, or she sags a little bit, but nothing that doesn't make her look still look good. Uh, and so he sort of like toys with the idea of, you know, like he, he follows her, finds out where she's been staying and toys with the idea of like raiding her uh, over the next couple of days. Yeah, I, I, I really love uh, that passage. Uh, actually, do you mind if, if I uh, read a little no, bit? No, go of ahead. That? Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So, <clears throat> she hasn't been off Riju long. She still looks fresh and young despite the plumpness that comes with kids. She still looks good. But even without Riju collapsed telltales, I know what she's done to herself. She's got the tired look of a person at war with the world. None of us look like that. No one has to look like that. Knitheads look less besieged. She's trying to act like the person she was before, like the actress or the financial advisor or the code engineer or the biologist or the waitress or whatever, putting on clothes from her life before that used to fit perfectly and don't now, making herself look like a person who walks without fear in the open air and who doesn't now. No matter how hard she tries, she doesn't fit in anymore, not with us. And I just... I just love I love that passage because he really accurately describes, I think anyway, I mean, I'm not a mom, but I feel like he really accurately describes what a mom looks like. And I feel like more importantly, what it's like in a way, like being a parent and the the split between the, you know, the carefree person you used to be and mm-hmm. the more embattled person that you are now that uh, now that you have a child. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, right? Because it, that, that applies now, as you're saying, uh, it, it does seem to be a well-observed um, description, right? Yeah. That, that, that harriedness that I, I have seen in many parents faces i myself do not have kids but uh, you know I, I do not have any judgments about people who do <laughs> god carlo uh, let me tell you it's 
it's wild. You think you have, you think you have problems in your life. And then all of a sudden you realize that like, oh, but I don't have to like worry about myself. You know, I don't have to worry that <laughs> I'm going to like touch a hot pot or that I'm going to run out in traffic or that <laughs> I'm not going to eat for like a few hours longer than I should have. And just, oh man, having to like just manage another person. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess if you're like an, a, an adult caregiver, that's that's probably pretty much the same thing. But, yeah, but it should, it's, it should it's be defi- similar. It's definitely different from going to no kids to kids. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure that I envy that aspect of it for sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, I, I think that that's, uh, it's a well-observed thing that, that is happening today. And why wouldn't it, like, why wouldn't it still be the case? And even more so in a society that has basically outlawed having children. Right. Um, so, uh, so yeah, like I, I, I love that, um, that he, he's just like, sort of like toying, like basically like edging himself to go visit her. Yeah. Uh, and, and like the, you know, he's just, I'll just drive by. And that's where the, that, that last scene, which is really fucking good. It's oh, super man. tense. Yeah. Um, and and it really, um, Stephen, did you ever, uh, did you see or did you watch that uh, the the adaptation they did for the love uh, love death and robots? Oh God, I forgot all about that. I I was going to, I was gonna, I was gonna watch that just so that I had something else to talk about, and then mm-hmm. I totally forgot. No, it's I all good. It's all don't good. have a lot of time. How was that? I I thought it was a pretty good adaptation, but I think it it obviously has to cut out a lot of the a lot of the stuff that feels really um alienating about this uh this story specifically um it didn't it didn't feel quite as grounded as this uh like uh the the main character you know it you know is is driving more or less like an old timey version of a flying car uh there's no uh the the mag rails don't exist uh there's no monkeys there is jungle but the monkeys don't make a uh an appearance um they didn't feel like drawing them (laughs) maybe maybe uh maybe maybe they they lost all their apes before they went to air uh, <laughs> they, were, they were on strike for oh i guess this is old but yeah, never mind somebody 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 stole their apes no no Steve. <laughs> oh, no they have no apes <laughs> all, my, all their apes were gone um uh, I, and for those of you out there i know i know apes are not monkeys i know this it's a joke it's fine um but in any case the uh i i do think that they nailed the um this scene is really it really is sort of the heart of the the entire story um yeah because it really does show you uh exactly like i guess it shows you exactly what bashi kalupi can do <laughs> and my god he can do a lot can he yeah he's he's great god he uh, had, what a weird career turn he's well not turn but just i feel like his we should have more adult novels from him. He should be more respected in the field. He was for a while, but I feel like mm-hmm. the the field in the past nearly fifteen years now, like kind of turned away from from him and, and the and the kind of stuff 
that he writes because I feel like the the sort of stuff that gets published now I, f- I feel like doesn't uh, descend much or have much influence from what he wrote, which is a shame because I I think he's the best science fiction writer of the 21st century. I I I don't disagree with you honestly. Like like one of the things that. Um that I'm always surprised when I go back to one of his stories is how much, like, I, I think I've, I'm repeating myself now, I think, but it, it, it does just, just feel like there's so much stuff yeah. in, in a Jam-packed. short story. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like very, very compacted in, um, he leaves a lot of, uh, very obvious sort of world. It, it almost feels like he, he writes like a big rambling world buildy piece and then just like, okay, rule number one, uh, I shall cut out everything that smacks of world building. <laughs> yeah. And over explaining. <laughs> Uh, which is, I think that's a great, uh, if that is the case, that is a great instinct. But, uh, but in any case, it, it, like, like this also, like, like you said, I, I think he, he sort of approaches, um, a, a story with more than one sort of thing to say, or, or more than one, th- almost all more than one theme, even because there's, there's, there's like, there's the idea of, you know, evolution, with the dinosaur, there's the right. idea of resource scarcity and how that affects medic, uh, medical coverage. Uh, there's the idea of population control, you know, and and the whole population bomb. Uh, I I know that he's used the phrase in interviews, so I do wonder um, what version of this population bomb he's talking about. Because generally speaking, what 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 we end up usually hearing about uh, when people talk about population bomb is Malthusian shit, uh, which is all over this this story, yeah. really. But it, but it's a, it's a it's almost like a kinder, gentler, um, almost you know like uh, w- w- enlightened Malthusianism. You know where like no no you can't have kids see because we're an advanced society and we're all immortal. Yeah, no, but we'll I, send you to we'll send you to a, a work camp for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm gl- I'm glad I'm glad you brought this all back up because like I I have a opinions I I'm I'm not well read enough in the field I, I'd love to write an article about this so it's it's more just like a a kind of feeling that I have than anything I can prove but um, you know what I was saying earlier about like you know resource scarcity it comes back up here in in the in the ultimate scene you know on on, at least in the uh print version i have it. i think it's on page 150 oh no i'm sorry i'm I'm messing up my notes but anyway so when when uh when the main character and, and the mom they're like they're talking they're they're having their uh their palaver you know uh the mother says that the sterility of being on Riju, like it's just an additive that they put in. It's not inherently a part of the immortality drug. They don't need to make it that way. And then the 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 cop he says, but otherwise we'd have a big damn population problem, wouldn't we? And to me, that gives what what he says there. That gives to me that gives the game away on the reason for why this world is the way it is. Like why children are illegal. Because, like, personally, I tend to think that, like, pretty much all appeals to the problem of overpopulation, 
they're just appeals to hatred and avarice. Like it's it's all it's it's like it's a big lie. I, I just have this idea that when people say they're concerned about overpopulation, you know, they frame it in this neutral way in terms of like logic and hard math or uh, cold equations, uh, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's very dispassionate and rational. And it's not ideologically motivated. It's it's just fair and equal. But I feel like that's kind of uh, kind of a lie. Like, I feel like anybody who makes a big deal about overpopulation, and I'm, and I'm not talking about Bacigalupi just because he... Um, you know, chose it as a, a concern for the world. I'm not, I'm not talking about him, but you know, whether it be like not having enough, you know, who makes a big deal about overpopulation, whether it's because, you know, we, oh, we don't have the resources or if it's about environmentalism and, and saving the planet. Like anybody who talks about overpopulation has big time opinions on who deserves to stay and who's got to go, whether or not they say so, you know, and, and I feel like it's, it, it's easy to notice in like, uh, right wing types when when they do this, you know, when people go on about like, oh, mm-hmm. those people in the third world, they they shouldn't be having so many children going around indiscriminately having babies. But I feel like people left to center do it, too, because they either they also talk about, like, oh, geez, people having indiscriminately having babies in the third world or else they'll like sneer at religious types who have mm-hmm. too many children, you know, like everybody, whatever your politics are. They have opinions on who deserves to live and who should or shouldn't be procreating and how much always so concerned, you know, something's got to be done. But it's I feel like it is not motivated by the the high minded, rational thoughts. And, you you know, you you brought up Malthusianism, you know, this idea of like, oh, the population hits up against its natural resource load bearing ceiling and then it, you know, leads to famine. And uh, I didn't uh, it's been a while since I read this, but I think. I was I was curious about it. This was probably like half a year ago now, but I was like, let's like casually reading something about Malthus. And I think I could be wrong. I'm just going off the top of my head. But I think when Malthus wrote his big, uh, you know, tract on overpopulation, like what we where we get Malthusianism from mm-hmm. at the time, like Malthus really hated the Irish and it just so happened at the time that like the Irish population in Ireland was exploding. I, I forget if it was before or after the, 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 the potato famine, but you know, so he like writes this thing about like, oh, there's too many people. Like he just hated Irish people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it's well, all I, a big lie. Hey, you know, it, uh, Malthus Lovecraft clasping hands over the hatred of Ir- the Irish. <laughs> yeah. And like even like the I, I should probably read the population bomb one of these days. It was a, a hugely influential work, I, I mm-hmm. guess, in regular society, but also in the science fiction field, because after it came out in 1968, like for decades, there's just story and story and like book after book, all of a sudden, all the science fiction writers are like, I mean, Gosh, there's that, too many people, the overpopulated like a, world. Like uh, Stand on Zanzibar has that theme as well, right? I think so. I've been meaning to read that, but a, it's, I tried reading the first couple pages, but it's written, I think, in the style of uh, John Dos Passos's, um, america trilogy so it's like every page is like something different it's like these micro points of view and uh, i found it tough to get into but that was like more than 10 years ago i've i've got it over there i should give it another you, you, shot you, you you've developed your your reading muscles ever since then right oh i think so <laughs> yeah but i don't have a whole lot of time but yeah so like all these different works are like 
you know, oh, gosh, the terrible dystopian future of too many people. But, you know, it's just whether people realize it or not, it's just it's just a cover for much more base emotions and, and negative ones. You know, like even with the population bomb, like it was in the mid 60s. And what was everybody talking about back then? You know, it's like, oh, gosh, China has too many people to feed or like India has too many people to feed. Right. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like some other place that has too many people to feed. You know, it's like, what are we really talking about here? And, you know, like it, it goes like goes the other way. It's like, you know, like I said earlier, like, you know, it's like if I think I'm just uh repeating myself now i think i I think i said what i was (laughs) gonna say on that but so yeah it's just it's a big great part of this story and i feel like bachigalupi in a in a in a subtle way or at least it, it seemed obvious to me i feel like he he takes that idea and he like he holds it up just like the way he was like oh now we have a big population problem and it's like bullshit it's mm-hmm. such bullshit and it's like every all the stuff that these people talk about like what they could be doing because like oh we're immortal and all the reasons they talk about why it is the way it is it's they they like they talk about it sincerely they all believe it but the way that Bachigalupi writes it and maybe it's just because he's you know he's holding it up against you know what it is that this guy does for a living like you can just see it's it's all such a load of bullshit and i love it yeah, yeah, it's it's great. I mean, because I think that that's the thing that I took away from rereading uh, the people who said it's like, and, 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 and I mean, it's something that is a marker for essentially all of his short fiction, uh, and, and I, I'd probably uh, say that it's also in his books as well. Uh, but but he doesn't. He he's there isn't an authorial voice that steps in to tell you this is bad. Right. Uh, he just describes this horrific world and lets you sort of like understand, like, obviously, he's got a point of view in this. Right. Like like you say, it, it, there there's just so much sarcasm and cynicism on throughout the story that um, should clue you in that he, he does not. Like, yeah, it doesn't seem to me that he's on his main character's side. Yeah. Uh, but at the right. same time, like he he does choose. I do think that he chooses the correct character to follow. Uh, we were joking earlier that, you know, a much more sort of mainstream version of this setting would be, you know, the characters would be the kids and they get they band together. And it's all about believing in themselves to change the world. And they, you know, at the end, they, they change it or whatever. Um, yeah. No, you're, you're, you're right. It is the right character. He, he just, like you said, in the stories, like he, he just, he just lays it out. Like he has a point, but he's not didactic about it. It's not like a lot of, a lot of popular short stories in the field today where there's this very obvious, heavy handed. And if I'm being honest, like really annoying, smarmy, authorial voice where it's like holding you by the hand. It's like, this is what you're supposed to think, right? It's like Batch Kaloopy doesn't do that. He has a point of view, but he shows it through the world and he just he just shows you the contrast, right? You know, it's like, mm-hmm. 
wouldn't it be nice to just live forever and have all this time to live in luxury and like devote yourself to these high minded professional and artistic vocations? And, you know, obviously it would make sense that, you know, if nobody's dying, you know, then, you know, we can't have more people coming in because then there's going to be too many. Where are we going to put all these people? There's no room. And he just contrasts all that with shooting kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And well, so it's just you can see it's like, oh, well, if that's the dichotomy, then like, yeah, I, I can see what Batch Galoopy getting at. And and Carlo, you're right. You are you are so right. This is the right character to see it because, you know, even if this exact thing isn't going on in the world, I, I, I assume, you know, th- there are real world parallels you can make thematically in, I mean, in whatever I mean, way you want it but but, but the he, thing is yeah, he no, is you, a cop so well yeah yeah but but the thing is like the the reason that he's the the correct character to tell this story is that you get to see it it's mm-hmm. not obscured it doesn't get hidden behind like oh well this is just this uh inanely worded policy of the child free world so oh child free i like free i like child doesn't sound so bad right or like (laughs) any other like bureaucratic layers or like just being or just being at a remove of of like even even if the story was told from uh from alice's from his girlfriend's perspective that would be a remove right because then Mm -hmm. it would be like oh yeah my boyfriend he has this job we talk about sometimes but like i you know i don't have to see that i'm practicing my viola yeah, right yeah. He, he shows he shows up every once in a while and sometimes he's a jerk but most of the time he's pretty nice yeah yeah it's like you get like he's the boots on the ground you get to see it there's there's no hiding from he's not even trying to hide, hide it he doesn't want mm-hmm. to hide it it would be a terrible story if he were trying to hide it part of the reason why this story is so great is that batchigalupi doesn't hide it he never hides it in any of his stories yeah yeah, he he doesn't shy away from like the uh, the real. I mean, I mean, I know that gut punch is usually it has been overused uh, recently, but but a lot of the stuff like that that paragraph where it just describes just in short brutal sentences what he does yeah. and just like you know bang 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 and, and and it's it comes off as is like him trying to be like make a joke like the bang 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 is sort of has a funny a funny it's supposed to sound funny right but it, it isn't it really is not it's just ghoulish <laughs> yeah it, oh, that that is that is the correct word it is yeah it it's tough right because like and yeah. it's so perfectly like it's so perfectly describes it too like you can you can you can see it you can see it in your head just one yeah. right after the other bow, 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 and you know just them like doing back flips and Oh God! Yeah, it's terrible. It's God, terrible. I love the story. <laughs> it's terrible. I can't stop reading it. <laughs> yeah. So when you get getting back to the the final scene, I don't know if I have a, uh, I don't really have a, f- a fleshed out thought about this, but you you made me think about it because when you when you said earlier that he was that he's edging himself to to go like <laughs> raid this woman, it's like edging. Oh yeah, right. The sexual contrast between like. He can't get it up with with his girlfriend yep, with anymore Alice. because he's like too fucking like, you know, like strung out from murdering babies every day. But then he goes and like sits down in this woman's kitchen 
and he's got this huge fucking hard on because he's so hot for this like mm-hmm. slobby overweight mom and it's like oh my god damn and it's like you know reading it like reading it too like you know like reading it the way it's that it's described it's like god yeah geez this is really hot yeah also yeah. very tense this is yes, it's also a very tense scene. yes Oh my no, it's god! So good! It's so good, and and also he 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 circles back su- subtly and not so subtly back to like the the sexuality of the whole thing, right? Because it 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 becomes obvious that like he's sitting there, and and let me let me read that that little bit, right? Because it is like it, it's almost uncomfortable because it's very earnest and very frank about the appraisal that uh, the character does, right? He says. Um, She's got tears in her eyes. I watch her cry. Memories and fatty limbs and a frightening sort of wisdom, maybe coming from knowing that she won't last forever. A contrast to Alice with her smooth, smooth skin and high, bright breasts. This woman is fecund, or fecund, I should say. Hips and breasts and belly fertile, surrounded by her messy kitchen, the jungle outside, the soil of life. She seems settled in all of this, a damp Gaia creature, a dinosaur. And like... I'll, I'll admit that I'm not entirely sure if this is the greatest, um, the greatest description because it is a little, uh, I don't know. I cringe a little bit reading it, but at the same time, like it really gets the point across, doesn't it? Uh, he, he's just like, he's just like really, he's got, he's got it for like that type and he's com- comparing her to Alice and Alice is great and everything, but she's not, it's it, again he's he he is calling her a dinosaur while at the same time just her the way she looks because she has had birth and is off of the rejuvenation treatment is like triggering some sort of evolutionary urge and you know, like i guess i wouldn't say evolutionary but but simply a a an urge that is sort of coded into him evolutionarily right that yeah. is not the reju yeah, yeah, just the the that that contrast between like, you know, you, you know, I feel like it's like there's this big contrast between like, you know, the the the, the reju and and the and the, the the women who go off it to, you know, illegally have their illegal children, right? And it's like and and it's here in in that passage that you just read, you know, it's like it's Alice. She's immortal. It's it's youth and smooth skin and high bright breasts, right? You know, it, it's like this this image of you know somebody who's who's very young, right? Versus like mm-hmm. you know somebody who's older, a mature woman who's you know given birth. You know, it's like death, aging, and and slovenliness and you know and fat and 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 poverty i mean now i'm i'm like and, and, yeah, not, not just talking about this scene yeah untidiness not just talking about like this scene but uh, i guess i was thinking more about like the first scene when i made this weird little list but it still generally ap- applies right and i feel like just this this weird contrast between this like i don't know almost like underage description and i just feel like it 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 uh it just adds to like the the weird corruptness of this world but like Mm -hmm. at the same time again it's also our world because like isn't alice what our society for like the past god knows how long is you know the type of of woman that our society tends to 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 hold up on a pedestal anyway right so it's like it's the future but it's us 
It's mm-hmm. weird and it's alien and it's unfamiliar, but it's also incredibly familiar. It's just it's through the whole story and it's just so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I also found it rather touching that that the woman has uh, basically tells him that that uh, confesses that what made her want to have children was like way back when she was a kid and had a little doll that that was like programmed to speak right but it wasn't very good and and so uh she says uh what is it you know it it would have uh it wasn't a great doll voice input but not much repertoire my parents weren't rich let's go shopping okay for what for watches i love watches simple you know like that but i liked it and then one day i called her my baby i don't know why i did though and the doll said i love you mommy her eyes turn wet as she speaks, and I just knew I wanted to have a baby. I played with her all the time, and she'd pretend she was my baby, and then my mother caught us doing it, and she said I was a stupid girl, and I shouldn't talk that way. Girls didn't have babies anymore, and she took the doll away. And, I mean, it's 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 such a – it's almost banal, but it, it's, it's precisely the type of thing that would happen, right? Yeah. That you have, like, this – almost a stupid thing happened and that's what you know uh, gives you some sort of profound insight or you know changes your life in a in a you know in a way that is you know you can't you can never go back it's so strange to me right i I would also argue that the mom taking it away and (laughs) and making it forbidden probably uh didn't help but you know that's another story yeah uh Yeah, it's it's so good. I, I, I also love that uh, this is the first time throughout the entire story where he the, the main character is corrected because he's all throughout the story. He's referred to the children as it's. Yes. Yes. I noticed that, too. Just how detached he's from that. It's like it. It's always. Well, it's, an it. it's, yes. It's just it's, they're always it's a de- things. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a, a it's a dehumanization tactic. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and she interrupts him and she says her. She interrupts suddenly. Keep her in the house she is a girl and her name is melanie um and you know like it's it's so good because the kid is just doing kid things right she's like doing silly shit with blocks that he doesn't understand and then he grabs she grabs his hat and and the mom's like look you got to lean forward she wants to put it on your head oh god yeah that's that is that is so true just like little things that like because you're because you're with them every day. It's like, oh, yeah, that's what they do. And they go up to some person you have to explain, and you have to explain to them. Oh, no, no, no. no. This like this is the this is the thing that he expects you to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 You 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 have to figure out like, you know what the context is uh, yeah. of of the lang- the quote language. Right. Uh, but anyway, the the I think that I forgot to mention that they're sitting at like this, you know, Again, another ruined kitchen table, um, and he's put his gigantic can- hand cannon on the table between them, and he's almost like goading her. Like it, it was also at this point where um, you get this whole like he's he's like super turned on, but also it's clear that he has a death wish. Yeah, like like he's just he he really wants her to grab the gun. Uh, he he almost like he almost wants her to gra- grab the gun. I should say. Uh, because he grabs it at the last minute and then uh, decides against it. I, I do. I do love that it. It's not. Um, it's not really resolved, right? Uh, yeah. Because he 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 decides to 
not do it. He doesn't go through with the, you know, with, with Pop and the kid. He just drives off. And uh, I think that was it, uh, you know, it, it was I run for my cruiser splashing through mud and vines and wet. And the first time in a long time, the rain feels new. And that's a sort of like calling back to something that the um, that the mom tells him, right, that she got tired of essentially always being her, you know, like it was all, always about her. Yeah. I think you, you'd mentioned that as well a little earlier. She was tired of it always being just about her. And she wanted to find a way to make the world new through, you know, like watching a baby discover it. Right. And um, and that made like that. that's actually a super touching and makes a lot of sense. Right. That it sort of like encapsulates exactly what the drive is to to have a child. Right. One yeah. of the psychological ones, ra- rather, I should say. Yeah, no, it's it's true. I I have I have two thoughts on that. One, well, one is just an anecdote. But um, sp- speaking of kids seeing the world through new eyes, I was you know reading dinner, and uh, you know I'm, I'm trying to get my my son, who's not quite three yet, to eat a piece of celery because a few days ago he liked it, and now not so much. So. He's trying to get me to eat it, and I don't want to because I don't like celery that much. And also, it had fallen on the floor, but, you know, whatever. So, I'm like, no, Alan, don't you want to eat your celery? And he's like, no, you eat it, you eat it. And then he says, and then he says to me, it's telling you to eat it. <laughs> it's like, oh, really? <laughs> you speak celery now. Like, it was just your, like such a your, fun your idea. Your, your kid's got the inside scoop. Yeah, it's like just such a fun idea and like just such a fun way of phrasing it too. Like it's telling you to eat it. And he said it too. Like that's like it really was you two, man. It's like it's just so funny. Like they're funny. I mean, well, He's a funny once, little once, guy. Once once he said that, I mean, how could you resist, right? I mean, I I'm, I actually did take a bite out of it because of that. Because like, you know, it's all right, you win. Like All right, yeah, you got, you got a good game. you got a good one. You got a good yeah. one on me. <laughs> you got me. But just and just the way that the the way that the the mom I I guess we don't ever get her name either, it doesn't matter. Um but how she says the like, you know, I was I was tired of of uh of it being all about me. And I feel like that contrasts or, or dovetails perfectly with the rest of the world that that we've seen so far in the story, where like even though it is like fantastically wealthy and fantastically futuristic and everybody gets to live forever and you can you can do whatever you want. And it's not that people are like exactly cruel to each other in this world. Like, you know, there there is tenderness like, you know, it's it's like a normal ish kind of world with with human relationships. But at the same time, I feel like it's a very selfish world, right? Like, you know, the the the, the drug addicts who are uh, who are on Riju like like. They're just drug addicts and they're, they're doing this. They could be drug addicts. And even even between uh, the main character and Alice, even though like it's, it's pretty obvious that they've they've been like a steady thing for a long time. And, you know, like they have a real relationship. They're in love. You know, at the same time, it feels like they really operate in like different spheres. You know, it's like they don't share a life together. They've got their own two separate lives you know it's even like he said mm-hmm. like they say like you know so well if we weren't going to live forever i'd marry you right so it's like what does it even matter you know it's like oh, it's, a, I, it's a very selfish shallow world I, I loved his comeback 
which is like if if you if you weren't living if you didn't live forever uh i get you pregnant and she i think the the line is she uh she she laughs awkwardly and decides to take it as a as a bad joke yeah it's Um, like ooh, ooh, too too far what what is this (laughs) sir this is the line yes yeah (laughs) this is the line and you have crossed it sir Uh, (laughs) but but it it feels very much like uh like a like he's he's committed like the social faux pas right right yes exactly it's like oh why would you even say that that's gross we don't do that yeah and it's and it's just it's not even he says like, "Ooh, I knew I had committed a social faux pas," but it's 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 there. It's obvious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So well, uh, done. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so great. It's so great. All right. Well, I I, I think we we have probably uh, unless you have some some other uh, thoughts on this, uh, Stephen. Uh, uh, I, I, not, I I think I've gotten to the re- to the end of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I I don't uh, think I do. Except that I was. No, it's not really a thought. Well, I, I just wondered this afternoon, I was just wondering if maybe there's like a generational reading uh, to the story, you know, like an indictment of the of the baby boomers. If if I could be hip hmm. for a moment, hoarding wealth and opportunity and whatnot. But uh, I don't know that that might be anachronistic. I, I feel like that. That didn't yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not until yeah. long after 2006. So I'm whatever. not entirely sure that that uh, I, I mean, you could probably uh, find it like you could probably read it uh, that way. But uh, but I, I don't know that that was something in him. I, I think it was more along. I mean, this is what, 2006. I think yeah. in 2006, we were already starting like to talk about like wealth inequality and, you know, that type of thing. Um and and probably like Bashigalupi was was in on that, him being him being very uh, he feels very um, granola, you know, uh, you know, living in Colorado, I believe I was reading that he was raised like on a com like his parents had like a weird commune style farm or something. I'm yeah, I think I'm, I read that interview too. <laughs> yeah, it's like what? That's weird. Uh, yeah. I, I love that he he. Uh, he he is definitely doesn't consider himself Italian. <laughs> 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 like he's like, yeah, yeah, it's 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 been washed. Yeah, the 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 bloodline's been diluted so long, so 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 much, and I don't really feel Italian. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it, just in case uh, there was any anti-Italian immigra- uh, immigration, anti-Italian uh, discrimination happening, uh, he's doing it to himself. <laughs> he's erased himself. Uh, but um, in any case, yeah, I, I man, this is like, honestly, um, and this is from, you know, like Pump Six and other stories, uh, mm-hmm. which we had we had uh, covered Pump Six, the titular story uh, a while back. Um, great story. Great collection. It's yeah. Like every story in that collection is just banger after banger, like like no, you know, all killer, no filler. Mm-hmm. Um because like geez, the fluted girl is another one I, I'd oh like to talk God. about at some point. But that that yeah. is just uh, I believe. And again, uh, just just like the um, the uh, I, I couldn't find any any evidence of it anymore. But I remember um, after he won the I think it was the Hugo for uh, the people of Sand and Slag. Uh, Hoopy got like a phone call from none other than Harlan Ellison. Really? 
Yeah, like out of the blue, he's like, yeah, don't let don't let him keep you keep you in the in the genre. So I, I think that was what he said. He's like, don't let him, uh, you know, typecast you or something to that effect. And and I, I don't think Ellison was wrong. You know, he 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 was a he was a professional asshole for much of his life, but uh, he he was often right about certain things. Yeah, well, I I was glad that his uh, his last adult novel well his his second adult novel came out from uh Knopf rather than from some rinky dink little uh mm-hmm. sort of in sf indie press like was um, wind up girl was what subterranean no it was nightshade books may I rest Nightshade, in okay. peace r.i.p yeah uh i i also think that um the some of the backlash and and like i i i you know, I can see some of the critiques regarding like Orientalism in the Wind Up Girl, sure, but uh, like he he got a lot. I I feel like he got a lot of backlash. I remember running a book club uh, about the Wind Up Girl, and uh, people joined up just to like <laughs> just to like talk it down. It's like, no, I don't think this is a good book. <laughs> so, oh, geez. Well, that's. I haven't read it since it came out, so well, it, it's, I don't it's know more, about that. I think but. it's mostly mostly uh, a lot of it had to do with the uh, the rattle the rather brutal treatment of Emiko uh, is the the wind up girl character. I forget what her name is uh, or Aiko or whatever her name is exactly. Um, which you know, I mean, she's she's basically left in left to her own devices and bought up by some weird trafficker why would you expect her to have a nice life yeah i mean like that's i mean i'm not gonna say that's the whole point of the story but to me when people do that a lot of the times it's not it's not the i mean like obviously sometimes it's the content itself because you know plenty of authors can uh write about let's say sensitive topics in insensitive unthinking ways but i also think that at least some of the time when uh when this sort of dust up happens it's not people aren't really objecting to the work they're objecting to the the demographics of the person who wrote it or you mm-hmm. know, the sometimes so yeah, i feel like here because i mean bachigalupi is he's great his work is great like how can you object how can anybody not see what a great writer he is well, you know, you'd be surprised, Stephen. Uh, no, I <laughs> just, wouldn't. Just, uh, I mean, just just take a look at the the recent ballots. Uh, yeah. What did, did someone say something? I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, I, I just think that um, like I, I read the Water Knife way back when it came out. It, it it's really wild to me that um, he I think he's he's continued. I think. I forget if it's the last of his Shipbreaker books that came out rather recently, rather recently being like within the last two to three years, I think. But um, between like the wind up girl and water knife was several years, like, yeah, like five uh, years. And, and I, I do think that, I mean, maybe it's best for him to uh, sort of exist on that more sort of literary uh, publishing schedule anyway. I think everyone yeah. would, would benefit from that, <laughs> but but also just the plain fact that it's probably reaching you know a bigger audience anyway. Yeah, I mean, I hope we get it. You're, you're right that I do hope we get another adult novel out of him. He's, I think he might be doing like, well, if his stuff's getting adapted by Netflix, he's probably getting caught up in Hollywood type of things. So maybe that's where his maybe, energy yeah. is going these days. Who knows? 
Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. In any case, I, I would love to, to read more, uh, even like short fiction of his, but I, I, I don't know that that's, it's probably too much, too much trouble for what it's worth, you know, uh, for him these days. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I think we're, we've just been sort of wool gathering uh, and and not wanting to uh, pull the trigger, as to, as so to speak. <laughs> uh, so I think that has been it, right, uh, Stephen? Uh, yes, I I won't I won't drag it out th- nope, anymore. Nope. Thank you very much for having me on. No, no, I, always I, a pleasure. I, this is a lot of fun. <laughs> Yeah, that, uh, I, in fairness, I dragged it out a little bit more, uh, but but you you were game enough to follow. So um, in any case, Stephen, thanks again. Uh, this is this is great. I'm I'm glad that uh, we we got a chance to get you back. Specifically, I I wasn't sure, but I I didn't know. Uh, I suspected, but didn't know that Pop Squad was probably your favorite Bashigalupi. Oh um, wait, I forgot one more thing. I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, go. A fun go anecdote because you just reminded me. So. Uh, I told my wife that I should read this story. Uh, this was a, a couple of years ago. I told my wife I should read po- that she should read Pop Squad because it's a really great story, and it is. Uh, but uh, <laughs> oh, no. I neglected to tell her anything about what it was about, and uh, oh, no. she had just given birth to our first child about a month or two prior, which is probably why the story was on my mind. And after she finished it, she came up to me and said, "Why did you make me read this?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh." Yeah, well, when you say it like that, but it was great, right? And she was like, yeah, but why did you make me read it? <laughs> Steven, I am I am actually somewhat amazed that um, that that things didn't get any worse than that, because honestly, like I, I would be like, do you just not want to have children? You should have told me this, Stephen, like a while back. <laughs> Yeah, I don't uh, know how things keep working out for me, but they do. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, again, thanks, thanks again for coming back on, and uh, I- I'm sure that we could we could find a way to get you back on. I, I believe you had uh, you had volunteered to talk about what was it? Uh, the Queen Bee was it? Yes. So, ooh, yes. If you if you ever want that, <laughs> if you ever want to talk about that, I'm I'm game because that's that's fun in a in a terrible way in a terrible way <laughs> that that that's a good uh a crap books episode or something to that effect yes uh, exactly a crap story oh my yes. goodness you'll you'll Beautiful. want the full compliment for that one because oh boy <laughs> the the most reviled story ever published in science fiction <laughs> and that's saying a lot yeah all right well anyway uh thanks everyone for listening in and we'll catch you next time here on Podside.